the BBC across the uh, the Midlands, basically, uh, across Coventry and Warwickshire. Dr Peter Fenwick joins us, uh, along with Jean Lockhart. We're talking about near-death experiences. Uh, good to have you with us. But explaining the near-death experience is something that preoccupies everyone who's had a brush with it. I mean, Jean, you were saying earlier you've done a lot of research since. But is it proof of life after death or an insight into the human mind or something else altogether? My next guest, Mark Pritchard, is also preoccupied with looking for explanations. He believes that you don't have to be close to death to find them. Uh, Mark, welcome to the programme. You're interested in something Hello, called astral travel. What's this? Well, this is uh, essentially out-of-body experiences. And uh, what Gene uh, experienced sounds to me like an out-of-body experience. And uh, that's being, like it says, out of your body in another plane. Are we, are we into a, a tautological discussion here? I mean, what's the difference between an out-of-body experience and a near-death experience? In a near-death experience, the brain is flat, it's down. In an out-of-body experience, you're, you're awake, you're, well, your body's alive, essentially. Dr. Peter Fenwick, would you agree with that definition? Yes, I think that's quite a good one. Um, and I would certainly agree that uh, you can divide uh, out-of-body experiences into those which occur spontaneously in healthy, normal people and the out-of-body experiences which occur in the near-death experience. Now, one of the interesting things about the near-death experience is that you lose all pain. You're very comfortable. You remember Jean was saying mm. that once she was out of her body, she was wonderful, it was calm, she was uh, happy and relaxed. It was only when she got back into her body that she felt this terrible pain. And that's typical of the near-death out-of-body experience. And Mark, how, how would you then define astral travel? Is, is this the same as leaving one, one's body? Astral travel is traveling when in that place we have out-of-body experiences. So if Jean was to go out of the room, for example, she could travel to a different place. She said that she felt that she was floating slightly off the ground. In out-of-body experiences, you can float and you can fly. And as you fly, you're traveling, hence the term mm. astral travel. And how can the person return, in parenthesis, return to the body? Well, the body brings someone back. So if it's through a trauma, the person can come back to the body. The body's revived a bit. Uh, if it's sleep, then it's uh, just a normal case of waking up from sleep. Have you had, have you had like many that. of these, these experiences, Mark? Yes, lots and lots. I, I can go out of my body and come back many times in a single night. At will? So, at will, yes. And how do you do that? I've trained myself through techniques. Um, usually it's focus in the mind or concentrate in the mind. And uh, that then allows a, a, a split at the time of sleep. Uh, dreams were mentioned before and they're quite interesting. They do give us a bit of information about uh, out-of-body experiences. But it's, it's what happens when you are, you're focused, when the mind is conscious of the process of sleep that you get an out-of-body experience. Uh, what's your take on that, Peter? Uh, and that, I would accept that. Um, we know that there are a number of what we call dissociated states. This is where the, the mind appears to split. And um, out-of-body experiences in the normal population are very common. And the fact that they're associated with sleep 
uh, is also accepted because sleep is, is another um, mental state uh, that we have. And uh, sleep onset is a particular time when out-of-body experiences may occur, but they're different from the near-death ones. So, Mark, how can we investigate and experience and actually verify this phenomena without actually being close to death? You have to go to sleep first, but you have to prepare for sleep so that your consciousness splits from the body con consciously. You're aware of that, that split. Before you, you go, go to sleep? dream state, yes. So you concentrate the mind as you go into sleep. Right. And, and then when you do that, you lift out of your body instead of going to sleep. And then you're actually aware of the split taking place. You float up into the, into the air just above your body. And then you stand up and you're out. And, what's the, and you can see your body there. And what's the benefit of, of doing that? Well, you're going to be able to explore things like death personally. You could try and wait for science to catch up, but uh, I don't think it's going to happen in our lifetime. But it's not death, is it? You, it's an out-of-body experience. Uh, but you go to exactly the same place that people who die goes, and in fact I've met loads of deceased people through, through out-of-body experiences in exactly the same place. I could have we could have been in the same room with Jean, for example. Jean, you time. sound as though you were going to say something then. Yeah, I'm just curious. I mean, I can concur um, what Mark is actually saying. Um, I've had, I had two, over 200 responses, and I had one lady who um, went to the... She, she's been doing yoga for several years, and she was lying down, and she felt herself go out of her body, and... As soon as she was, she heard somebody shouting. She went straight back into her body, and she wasn't ill. So presumably, that's you know, she went to it on an astral astral travel. But can I ask Mark? I mean, has he had any after effects of going out of his body like we have as near death experiences? Because a lot of the ND. Uh, near-death experiences have positive side effects. Mine was negative because it's left me with a severe de uh, fear of dying and also a problem with timelessness. I never wear a watch and time seems to be an enemy. I never arrive at certain places at certain time. I'm always running late or running early. I never wear a watch. Anything like that that happens, you know, to Mark or anybody else that has these astral travels? Mark? Generally, the more that you have them, the more that you get over that fear and that sort of uncomfortableness with the experience because you see that it's a place that you can explore, you can investigate, and then you get more information about death. And then you get more information about life as well because you can get enormous uh, information, spiritual teachings in that place that you can't get here. It's, it's another dimension. Science can't go there. You cannot measure it from the three-dimensional world. That's the problem. You have to go there to be able to experience it, and it's done on a personal level. So you need to get more personal experience 
of being out of the body and that will get rid of those fears. Just to say that um, we've had lots of people uh, calling with their stories. Cindy, for, for example, from Henley in Arden, she said she suffered a respiratory arrest a few years ago. She collapsed, woke up in intensive care and has no recollection of what happened. She says there were no fairies, angels, lights or anything, but she says she did have an out-of-body experience when her father died 25 years ago and she remembers the day of her dad's funeral, waking up in the middle of the night and her dad was standing in the corner. She saw herself lying in bed and couldn't move. She would put her life on the fact that her dad was in the bedroom and she knows that if she'd gone to him, she would have died. Another one here from Joyce in Woodway Park who said she had an out-of-body experience in 1972. Uh, was learning to drive on the ring road and her first experience on the ring road, she felt herself leave her body entirely and go right out of the car. She could see her instructor and herself and she was out of the car for a few seconds and then slipped back into the body. Um, hasn't happened before, but she says she was terrified. I mean, we, we, we shouldn't make light of some of these experiences, Peter. Some people do find them very, very frightening. Oh, I would never make light of them. I think they're enormously important. Any, any uh, experience that you have like that is something uh, which you have to take uh, very seriously, and particularly if it leaves consequences like it has for Jean and has for your other listener, mm. then one, one will have to think very seriously about them. And uh, some people actually do require therapy because they become very frightened. And for you, Jean, um, you know, we've been talking about it for over half an hour. Um, mm. what, what's your final take on this? Well, you don't ask to have a near-death experience, but during my thesis, I came across um, a paragraph which I think kind of sums it up for me. It's by Charles Schutz, who does the Snoopy cartoons. <laughs> of all people and it says it, it it was something I quoted in my thesis and quote quite often and it says sometimes I lay awake at night and I ask why me then a voice answers nothing personal your name just came up you know well, on that note, I think we'll leave it. Uh, Jean Lockhart, thank you very much indeed. My thanks thank you. to consultant neuropsychiatrist and neurophysiologist uh, Peter Fennick, and my thanks to, to Mark Pritchard and to all of you who called and for those of you who came in and, and gave us your, your stories as well. Thank you all very much indeed.